0: Welcome back to Fish and Official. I'm your host, Johnny Junta. We're here with a special guest, man. He is a player agent for Major League Baseball. Me And he represents tons of big leaguers and tons of minor league prospects. It is my pleasure to welcome Matthew Gata, the founder of Gata Sports Management. How are you doing?
1: Doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on the
0: pod. And I wanted to go into people that don't know you. You're a ride or die guy for your guests or for your, sorry, not your guests, your clients, like I am for my guests. You put it on your story, all that kind of stuff. But before we get into that, I wanted to go into where you started, man. I mean, what made you want to be a player agent for Major League Baseball? What was it?
1: Yeah, man. Um, Honestly, I played baseball growing up, uh, competitively, did area codes, USA Baseball, that stuff. Um, Had a lot of family members who were very heavily invested in sports. Uh, one of my cousins works for ESPN now, used to be in the front office of Brooklyn Nets, um, and a lot of other family members that were just in NBA, MLB, etc. And always wanted to knew I wanted to surround myself in sports, didn't know to what capacity, went to NYU, um, was on their baseball team, blew out my elbow. And Literally sitting there in the hospital, kind of through rehab, knew that my arm wasn't going to be what it was and thought to myself, well, let me just go take the NLVPA agent certification exam. I, I could be an agent. I want to stay in the game somehow. Um, filed an LLC, uh, took my exam February of 2016. I was a junior undergrad. Uh, 20 years old, walked into the exam room with a Quicksilver T-shirt, <laughs> Old Navy jeans. Dude, it was, it was comedy. The first exposure, anything to professional life up until this point, My a college athlete at NYU taking classes, made the jump to, well, there's no age limit on the agent exam, so let me just go take it. Let me create my own agency, see where this takes me. And I show up to the exam. There's about like 70 people in a boardroom at the Marriott on like 42nd Street. Everybody's to the nines in their Gucci, Versace suits, shoes, and all. I show up, I go, hey, Mac Gata Gator Sports Management. And one of the attend or the people that was uh, handing out the name tags go, Oh, you could just wait in the car for your dad, thinking that I was like a kid, thinking I was a kid for one of the people taking the test show up looking like a middle schooler and I was like nope I'm here to take the test so yeah it's, it's been a crazy ride and ever since then started out in my dorm room and this is year this is full season five coming up
0: okay and, and you mentioned the MLP like the certification test I want you to explain it to me like I'm five like Michael Scott okay. the office thing here so <laughs> is that a test that you have to like legitimately study for for hours and hours and
1: hours like what goes on with that I mean, personally, for me, no matter what it is, whether it's a Randy Dobnack contract extension or the paper that I have due, I put my hundred ten percent into it. So it's the test combined is it's fifty question multiple choice, if I remember correctly, and it contains the uh, MLB basic agreement, which is collective bargaining agreement, the joint drug prevention program, and then the player agent. Guidelines that the MLBPA enforces on agents. Those three combined is probably roughly 2,000 plus pages of just dense, dense content. And they have a study session before where they tell you sort of what to focus on, what to hone in on. But ultimately, you have to review all of it because you don't know what's going to be tested. So, to become a fully certified MLBPA agent, you have to first pass the background check. Then once you pass the background check, you can then take the exam. Once you take the exam, you have to pass it. And then you have to uh, have an active player on the 40-man roster. So I passed the test in 2016, but didn't become officially licensed until uh, Nick Anderson became on the 40-man in the offseason of 2018.
0: Jesus Christ, man. That process sounds like a nightmare, especially a guy like me that went to JUCO (laughs) <laughs> and legitimately is like terrible with school terrible with everything how i mean so when you're studying for this kind of thing right i mean you're obviously a smart guy and your whole family's smart talking about your brother obviously your brother's a genius yeah, um he's going he's into like the, the, yeah so like wh- how, were you nervous like you passed the first time is that regular like i'm assuming you passed the first time is that regular for people to do that or is it like like they have to take 3 4 times like a bar or something like that
1: i mean I saw there was one person who's sitting next to me who said it was his third time, but for the most part, I've heard that if you study and you know the general terminology of like options, reassignment, designate for assignment, and all that sort of stuff, then you should be fine. So, I mean, I passed on the first time. I don't know what the consensus is on sort of what everybody else did, but...
0: Yeah, and I'll just say this to you, and just this is based off experience here, you might be the most intelligent guy I've ever had on this show, but we, I mean, we've we had vaguely. just listening to you talk, I feel like an absolute moron, just even, even a part of this conversation. But going into that, though, I mean, becoming a player agent, what, what's like, what would you say is like the hardest part? Would it be like finding clients to like trust you and all that kind of stuff?
1: I mean... Probably the toughest part was just getting your name out there. Once I first started at 20 years old, i signed my first client at 21 because my birthday is March 28th, um, guided by the name of Brett the Minnesota Twins. He lasted two weeks and then got released to spring training. Ultimately led me to my first big leaguer, Nick Anderson, because yeah. they played together. So that's a cool little story, but... I'd say the hardest part was ultimately just getting your name out there and then, and then sort of gaining traction from there, building a name for yourself. But um, I think from a trust standpoint and loyalty standpoint that comes with once you get to know who I am um, and then word of mouth catches on and the guys sort of see the work that I do for them and the results translate with the other guys. But it's, it's definitely that initial, that first year of being an agent, where it's a cutthroat industry to begin with, and at 21 years old, going in, working out of your dorm room, that, that was the toughest part, was getting your name out there. Is
0: there, like, an agent-agent rivalry, like... Do you see rivalries within the in- industry? Like, for instance, like Boris with, let's just say, CAA. Like, do you do you see like there, these little uh, agencies kind of have a little bit of a rivalry where they hate each other? Are you that deep into the world where it's like, listen, this agent hates this one because he stole his client, all that kind of stuff?
1: It might be a dumb question, but I'm just dialed in on this. I mean, it might be. I stay far out of it. I mean, I, I just try to do my thing and focus on my guys. So that that could very well be a thing, but I try not to make any enemies and just do my job. Have you had a client <laughs> stolen? Have you had a client stolen from you? Um, not that I can think of. I've had players who have left other agencies and then you. in the interim come to me, but yeah.
0: Because uh, the reason why I was mentioning that is because you're – I mean, you're starting to get out there, man. I mean, and we're talking about guys. I mean, I'm pretty good friends with Drew Lugbauer, who just became part of your agency. That's yeah. my boy, showed out Lugs. And I called him, and I reached out to him, <laughs> and I was like, listen, man. I was like, how did you find out about Gata here? Like, obviously, I, I know you I know you pretty well, but it's like he just, said, he just heard about you through, like, the grapevine, man, like, through guys and the fact that, like, he's a New York guy, all that kind of stuff. So is it kind of – Do you sometimes step back and you're like, man, there's guys that are reaching out to me to represent them? Like how crazy is that?
1: Yeah, because like I said, when I opened it up in college, I mean, my initial intent was I just got done with baseball, wanted to transition by keeping myself within the industry and just wanted to see where it would go. Always intended on going to law school. So I was like, let me use it as a a segue into that. But to get it to where it is now, it's pretty cool to just see guys like – like Lugbauer just saying, hey, I heard your name through rape finds and, you know, your agency's name being talked about in big league clubhouses and guys hitting you up on Instagram and email. I mean, it's it's pretty cool.
0: It is insane. And I, and I wanted to go into, like I mentioned earlier, your brother. I, I creeped him on t- Instagram. <laughs> I mean, this guy seems like he's an electric golfer. By the way, they just he just looks like a guy that's just good at golf, and then will just make you feel embarrassed, like post round beers. You're talking with him, and he'll just make you feel like an absolute yep. idiot because he's so smart.
1: He's working for the Sway Boys. Do I have that correct? He's doing something with them. I don't know what it is, but he's doing some sort of content venture capitalist thing with them. So he's a genius. So how smart is
0: your bro? Like on a scale of one to ten, would you say like this guy's just
1: the most he- intellectual human ever? I'd like to say that between NYU night law school and representing big leaguers, I'm the king of the siblings. That kid scored a perfect score on his SATs and he's getting three (laughs) degrees at the same time. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's so, so odd. i, I don't want to talk to that fucking kid, <laughs> loser compared to him do your parents i mean so your parents are like must be the most brilliant human beings of all time i
1: mean you got your brother I, I, what's your brother is your brother in school correct he's what is he trying to be yeah he's, he's a junior he's pre-med but he's also like a minor in business he's getting a, a business degree from stanford pre-med from upenn and then his undergrad at oh school that's
0: that's, I, I can't even believe he, I can't believe that. Does he ever have time yeah. to do anything?
1: I mean, he went out to dinner with me two nights ago, so he, okay. he gets out. So he's living, the,
0: he's living the dream, but that, that's just crazy to me, man. I mean, so are, do, is that something your parents kind of pushed to you guys is like for you to get into like law school and all that kind of stuff? Or was that something you just kind of wanted to do when you were like young?
1: That's something so I just sort of wanted to do when I was young. Initially, my initial goal was to become the starting catcher for the New York Yankees, but that <laughs> obviously didn't that, that didn't pan out. Um, I'll just represent guys that play Yankee Stadium, exactly. Uh, but no, it was really just instilled in our parents of of a solid work ethic and persevering through odds, nothing being handed to you, and just going to get it. Because I mean, my brother and I, growing up, were really just just average in terms of just we weren't the best athletes we weren't the smartest kids but we just worked our asses off and we knew what we wanted we didn't we didn't deviate from what our path was we were headstrong on maintaining what our goals were going to be and just stuck through it and i mean i'm super pumped for him i want him to be better than me like the funniest thing was when Randy's deal went down and it was all over ESPN and everything, I texted him. I said, one-up me. I dare you to one-up me. Two days later, it came out that he's working with the Sway boys. So <laughs> one-up me. That's, one up I mean, me.
0: you got to tip your cap to that, man. I mean, that's just yeah. incredible. But And here's something for you to break through here. Is there such thing as agents representing podcast hosts? Like, are, are you, can I just say, I'm going to put Gata Sports Manager in my bio. I'm just a Gata guy now. Go for it. I mean, <laughs> <there's>, <laughs>
1: I, I honestly don't know if you want me to rep you. Yeah, we're going
0: to um, break the internet. I'm telling you when, because I'm I, like, and humble brag here. You see the guest list on this pod. This When this podcast breaks the internet sooner or later, I'm grinding. When this breaks the internet, I'm represented by you. Because first of all, I went to JUCO. I failed. So in JUCO, funny story, I had to take biology because I didn't take it here. And I had to t- I was in the high school class. Like I was in high school. I failed it. Mm-hmm. So I failed it first year. I failed high school biology. I had to take it twice with high school kids. when I'm like 20 years old. In JUCO, So, I'm not the brightest. So, now I'm just going to say represented by Gata Sports Management. I'm just a Gata guy now. knock's my coworker, all that kind of stuff. But let's go into knock <laughs> here, man. I mean, he has the most fucked uh. story of all time. I mean, I couldn't even believe this. And I was watching this because I remember he absolutely put Cameron Mabin in a body bag on Twitter. And I was looking at this guy. I was like, this guy is a fucking <laughs> legend, man.
1: But so, how did you guys meet? How did you and knock meet? So... Randy signing scout out of Indie Ball from the Twins was Nick signing scout. Billy Milos, Minnesota Twins, shout out legend. Also signed Johan Santana out of the Rule 5 draft. Holy Dude's shit. got a list. Holy Unsung shit. hero of scouts. Yeah. But um, I had a player on that Cedar Rapids team, Loe, in 20, 2018. A kid by the name of Jared Finkel, sidearm right-hander. And he played with Dobnek. And I was watching film that off season in 18 and I texted Finkel. I was like, dude, this, this kid's gross. He's got potential. And he said, yeah, we signed him out an Indie ball, put two and two together. I'm like, Nick Indie ball, Billy. So then I hit up his scout and said, what well, do you got on this Dobnack kid? And he's a really good kid. And then uh message requested him on Instagram and then we followed each other and then spoke. And then ever since then, that's sort of how we got connected.
0: Damn and and the crazy thing is is like because i believe he signed for 500 dollars. is that correct he signed for something so less so would you say as an agent that's you kind of taking a risk on this guy right you don't know that much about him like you see that he carves, see that he has potential but what what made you be like listen man like how, how do you how did you sell yourself to him like listen i want to represent you i really like yourself like what was the dm like how did that confrontation go
1: Yeah. So I mean, honestly, what I told Randy was I have I'm representing a handful of players in the twin system. I know front office personnel can, you know, help facilitate being a mediator between you and the front office to see where you fit. But more importantly, I mean, at the time and all my big leaguers that have made it, um, and even the guys that are in fall league or in big league camp, all grinders, not dudes who sign for millions of dollars. Yeah. Like I have, I have some guys who are like clinical bonus draft guys, international guys, but I mean, for a good majority portion, they're like Randy where they came from literally nothing and they grinded to get where they are. And that was my sell to them was, I didn't start out with a lot. I started out in my dorm room before relocating to the trade center and I just love going to bat for guys who a have the potential B have a good heart. Cause I mean, off the field, Randy is just captain role model of being a professional athlete with what he does with St. Jude's with him and his wife. Yeah. Um, And ultimately that's, that's what I told him was, I know what you're going through because I'm also grinding through it in this agency industry and sort of how I sell it to him and to the guys is we grind through the minor leagues together. I'm going to be with you step-by-step you're not going to be an afterthought. And even once you get there and if you get DFA or in limbo, or in this case, he signs a big extension. Like I'm still talking to Randy every day, just like I do with any of my other guys. So, yeah,
0: no, it's just like you. And I feel like that gets lost in the shuffle a lot. Right. With like those big agencies, like you really, you rarely hear from your agent when you're with like a massive, massive agency, such as I I'm, I'm not, I'm just going to make an assumption, CAA or stuff like that, where they're representing guys like tiger woods, like, all these guys, right? So the thing that makes it personable with you is and you're, you're representing blue collar dudes. and speaking about blue collar dudes, there's one guy, Matt Peacock, who's in the show right now <laughs> playing for the Diamondback. <laughs> what, the what, man. The, what the fuck was this guy doing before he played in the show? I saw a picture of him. It looked like he was in the mo- in, on the movie set of Rudy. like he was with <laughs> <laughs> charcoal I, I don't even know, dude. i'm I'm so infa- I'm so amazed by this dude, and now he's pitching in the show. It's bananas.
1: I mean, same, same sort of deal with him. I read an article, I want to say, once he got drafted and I saw he was a sawmill worker in college and quit, I was like, GSM guy, automatically. Lo, I read this and I was like, done deal. We had a mutual connection with some people. But again, just <laughs> yeah. blue collar grinder of a dude who, when push comes to shove, I mean, perfect example. I want to say two weeks ago, Peacock gave up seven earned without finishing an inning that any other player mentally destroyed confidence out the window dude comes back to make his first start gets a day's worth of notice puts that behind him throws five innings gives up only two earned. yeah i was watching that yeah and keeps his team in it and then before he threw like two scoreless innings in relief like that's a dude who honestly has been through adversity and quits baseball in college and literally signed for five thousand dollars and had to work his way up From being a fifth-year senior sign to being in the show, guys like that are tough as nails. Mentally, nothing, nothing could break them. Those are the dudes I love to represent. And you
0: gotta, I mean, you gotta at least put it like somewhere in your bars and like that. You're a blue-collared agent guy. You're a brick by brick. Like you are brick by brick. You put on the steel-toe boots, go on the mound and throw 98, because that's like that's the kind of guy that you represent. You represent the common man. And the thing that I like about your agency is like you're not scared to like show off your guys, man, because you, like I said, you pump your guests tire. I mean, you pump your guys tires a lot just like I do with my guests and all that kind of stuff. And it goes to show, man, you, you guys, you're like, the people you represent have that comfortability where they're like, listen, man, this guy's going to go to bat for me. He's not going to fuck me over. Like he's going to do stuff for me. Has someone has a player ever reached out to you and been like, man, listen, like, I just wanted to re- I just wanted to let you know, like I I to other guys that are, that are with agencies and stuff like this, and no one is goes to bat for their players like you do. Like how have they told that you
1: that? Yeah, I had that conversation like twice today because there were a few <laughs> guys, there were two guys that I represent who their teammates. I guess are looking for agents, and they were like, "Yeah, so and so might reach out to you." I told them that you know nobody else's agent really talks to them and you talk to them every day and i was i told them that you talked to us every day and they're like wait what (laughs) that's
0: fucking incredible it is because and the thing is 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 when you have the obviously there's pros and cons to being a part of a big agency but i feel like most guys want that sense of comfortability where their agent is like going to bat for them you know what i mean it's just like some agents will like literally they don't care if you get called up called down they're not going to really pump your tires none of that stuff but I noticed on your Insta, when someone does something well or someone gets called up, you're the fucking first guy on a private jet to their fucking stadium. Like, especially with Peacock, right?
1: Oh, yeah. First first start, he got notified at, like, one in the morning Eastern time. And then I texted his mom, his wife, and his, his stepdad. And I was like, you guys flying out there? Like, yeah. I was like, hell yeah. Dropped 550 bucks on a one-way ticket to Arizona. <laughs> Go watch him shove against the Marlins. I mean, yeah. that's that's what it's about. And that's what I told him from day one. Even guys that honestly are in low A rookie ball and extended. I mean, I'll still post about them just as regularly as I do with Peacock. Yeah. Because that's just, that's just sticking true to the initial mission, which is – I view you as a big leaguer no matter what level you're at, but no matter where you're at, at what level, I'm still going to hype you up just as much as the dude to the right or left of you.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And then I wanted to go into your agency for a second. I mean, who's one guy that you think is getting the least amount of recognition from his organization or just by scouts, but is an absolute fucking dog? Like one guy you could see being like a, a potential superstar in Major League Baseball. I know you have a lot, but who's one really, really guy where it's like, this guy's a fucking freak.
1: Vinny Natoli. Vinny Natoli. Seattle Mariners, AAA. That dude is an absolute fucking bulldog. <laughs> Period. Exclamation mark. Exclamation mark. Dude has been through hell and back. He's 30. So he's not like on the younger side of things. Yeah. But the dude gets released. I opened the agency in summer 2016. I signed him. That offseason, I want to say goes into spring training, gets released by the Mariners. Since then, he's been with four indie ball teams, two Mexican summer ball teams, two Mexican winter ball stints, Diamondbacks, Blue Jays, and then Blue Jays twice, and went to big league camp for the second time with Seattle, the team that initially released him this past season. He's at AAA right now. The dude just throws gas, and does it all. Can start, can long relieve. I mean, once that dude gets in the show, it's game over. He yeah. honestly, it's – it's. and I'm not just saying it because of age-wise or journey-wise, it's Nick Anderson comp.
0: Really? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. And Nick Anderson, because obviously I'm a Jays fan and I I wasn't like I'm a big like I watch all the games in the AL East. This guy, you want to talk about a guy that fucking came out of nowhere and just became the most <laughs> dominant closer in baseball. I remember I was watching this guy against the Jays and I was like, This motherfucker. I mean, he was just carving the Jay, dude what so what how did you find andy because i I, he's all mlb guy he's diamond on mlb the show he's literally disgusting at the game of baseball one of the best relief pitchers in baseball in my opinion probably top two top three how did you fucking find this dude man dm'd him on the gram (laughs) (laughs) i love that so how did that go i mean was he was he
1: represented no so honestly i dm'd him on instagram and I guess he asked his buddy Brett Doe, who was the first guy that I ever signed. They played together at Cedar Rapids. And Brett kind of tipped to me. He's like, hey, you kind of want to probably follow this guy, Nick Anderson, just reach out to him. And then I guess Brett talked to Nick. Nick never had an agent at that point. I think he was literally just came out of Indie Ball and was playing at Low A. And Nick doesn't check Instagram. Social media. Like there was a point last season where he was like, I just want to give you my Instagram and you could just take it over. The fact that he DM'd me in 2017 is a full-on fucking miracle. So he DMs me, he's like, hey man, he's like, I literally am just pitching in low. I don't really know what you see in me, but here's my number, we could talk. So that was October 2017 and or no, excuse me. Uh October 20. 16. Yeah, October 2016. And uh we talked for like two hours. He was driving back from his construction company job and we just shot the shit of. He's like, Yeah, I'm not really looking for an agent right now, but let's keep things open. And we just honestly, that was the most personal talk I've ever had with a prospective client because I didn't tell him about what I really do for the player. We were just getting to know each other on a personal level. Kept tabs on him, texted with him. And then 2017, uh, I texted with him in spring training. I said, are you ready to make this fucking official? Let's do this. He's like, yeah, but I want to meet you. At this point, I'm a year into the agency, have maybe 12 clients. I've signed all of them over social media, never have spent money to go fly to go see a player. So I was like, all right, he wants to fucking see me in person. He's in low A, mind you. I always knew that he was going to make it to the show and I was going to do big things, truthfully, honest to God, like what he's doing is flat out fucking ridiculous right now. But it was, I spent 450 bucks on a one-way ticket to Florida. because He was like, you meet with me. I sign with you. Um, I skipped the fine. I skipped the midterm. Cause it was in March. I just went to my professor at NYU as a senior. I was like, Hey man, I, I got to go down here to go sign this guy. So like, can I just take the midterm early? And he was like, you can't. I was like, okay, whatever, fuck it. So I just—I didn't even show up. So I, I buy a ticket. I fly down. I text Nick. I'm like, all right, I'm down here. Better not fucking back out. Yeah. So I show up to the hotel, and he's like, I'll come downstairs. He's like, I'll—I'll I'll come get you. Dude walks out of the uh, of the sliding doors. It's like I fucking look up, and it's Zeus. Dude's like fucking six five. <laughs> menacing figure here's me at like 5 a.m like holy fucking shit like he's like hey man how's it going nicest dude like literally literally soft as a teddy bear and I'm just like I'm just staring at him just mesmerized haven't seen somebody of that physical stature up close even though I was in the industry for like a year and he's like are you coming I was like yeah I'm just taking in how fucking large you are <laughs> we sat down shot the shit and ever since then dude i've spent two thanksgivings with him at his family's place like he's like a brother to me to the point where yeah. he i mean he was my first big leaguer like him him and the late chase Numata were probably the two players i was closest damn, to. damn
0: yeah you mentioned him rest in peace man fuck yeah uh, a legend of the game man but do you and you speaking about him uh nick, nick for a second i mean this guy when, when you were at the World Series last year, was that a moment where you kind of thought about Matt, young Matt Gaeta just in the dorm room grinding and you're like, I'm at a fucking World Series game and my yeah. client just got the
1: W against the fucking Dodgers.
0: Like, wh- wh- what was running through your head when that shit happened, man? That, like, that's fucked.
1: Uh, I, I fucking – we FaceTimed right after the game. And I was like – I was like a long way from Low A in the dorm rooms, eating fucking <laughs> Domino's pizza in the Holiday Inns, and we were just soaking it in. I mean, it was more, it was more of just both of us because we both started our journeys pretty similarly at the lower levels, to where you're just looking up at the scoreboard and you see W N Anderson and his face, like, holy fucking shit, it's the World Series. And yeah, from a professional standpoint, it's supposed to be like act like you've been there. But no, for just a second, understanding the journey of what it took to get there, appreciating the moment, taking a step back—it's like this is the most watched sporting event, arguably maybe program in the world right now, and a fucking GSM guy it's gets just on a the bomb. It's insane. I mean, it's funny. it's awesome. It's
0: insane, man. So what, when obviously they won the ALCS, like, I mean, were you just on the first fucking flight to that world series in oh. Texas?
1: Oh yeah. His sister was FaceTiming me as they were fucking boarding the field. And I was just, I was like, all right, get my hotel room, get my flight. Cause at that moment it was game seven. It was the three Oh. Yeah. And then I, I started looking into the flights, but I was like, ah, don't, don't want to jinx it. And then they slowly crept back. And I'm like, Holy shit. But it all ended up working out. But I, I bought flights, hotels, literally the last out recorded.
0: That's fucking insane. And do you? And obviously, like like I said, we have a ton of guys that play in the show, play in the minor stuff like that. Do you kind of find it fucking difficult sometimes to keep up with what these guys are doing, man? I, I, I have to, I'm looking at box scores all fucking day with these guys.
1: I mean, it's it's honestly something I love. I don't have. Kid, I don't have a wife. I have a girlfriend. So I mean, to be honest, I'm just I'm so immersed in this and have seen where it started to what it is now, and just absolutely fires me up to see dudes just proving people wrong and achieving their goals, and that's what makes it so easy to just follow the games. It's
0: I mean, it's insane. And now you mentioned you're located in the World Trade Center. How did that come about? Like when when that happened, where you're like, man, like I I fucking made it, dude. Like because. It, that, I mean, the World Trade Center, that's like you talk about buildings in the U.S. that are historic, that have so much history. I mean, you're in downtown New York. So when, when, when you like are setting up shop there in the office, you're like, dude, I fucking made it. This is my office. Like, this is insane.
1: No, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's easily a site that I say everybody should go see, um, the Memorial Museum. I personally, I lost a cousin on 9-11. So that was motivation for me to go one day work in the newly built towers. And I moved in there in 2017. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it it was a humbling moment. It was something that I've always wanted to do. Just like a kid saying, I want to play professional baseball. It was like, I wanted to work in the World Trade Center. So that was just step one of the many goals. But I would say being at the World Series was that, Holy fucking shit! I made it. One <laughs> <minute>.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the World Series will definitely play and hope. I mean, hopefully, I see one with the Toronto Blue Jays. And we mentioned the Toronto Blue Jays. Your client, by the way, Ho- like Hobie Harris, he is a fucking freak. And I talked to Jays guys, Kevin Smith, and they told me this guy's shit is fucking ridiculous. I mean, is this guy is this guy going to be the closer for the Toronto Blue Jays soon and later? Like, what's going on here? Kirby Yates is hurt. That door is wide open for your guy.
1: I mean, he honestly, I saw him. So I saw him two days ago. Notch's second AAA save showed me his uh, his um, uh, what you going call it trackman data right after the game. His average velo is ninety seven point eight that's maxed fast. out at 99.1 Same. i mean dude's yeah, ready to go he, he
0: is ready to go i don't know what the fuck the teams do i don't know what they're doing i mean the, like they need like everyone's getting hurt so i and kirby yates is out to so the jays i mean they have romano i guess so you have you got two another, guys like another that jay's and, name brody rodning check him out at double a dude that whole double a team's fucked though i mean yeah. <laughs> you got Grosjean. you have him. it that and you know simeon was richardson like that that team like is there one organization as an agent that you're like the closest with, you would say like the most comfortable talking to Minnesota, Minnesota. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess you could say that was a dog knock, but with that dog, knock. I mean,
1: yeah, you can go ahead and play. him. And then, I mean, Nick was like my first big client. Nick, Nick started with Minnesota. Yeah. And then he got traded over to Miami. So I kind of formed a relationship with the front office through Nick and then Randy.
0: Okay. So when these guys see you strutting down the hall, ready to negotiate, are they
1: just like this fucking guy's back? This guy's ready to fucking go. Do they just know
0: you by now?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was funny because when Nick got traded, I was thinking to myself, all the twins probably think like, this is, this is it. I just have some minor league guys. And then Dobnak ascends to the show. I go to his debut and I contact front office. I was like, Hey, uh, just wanted to touch base with you guys. I'm back. And they're like, wait, what? Like, yeah,
0: just like the Michael Jordan. I'm back. No, <laughs> yeah. that's actually incredible. Then let's go back into Dobnack's start at Yankee stadium. Yeah. You're a guy. I you, like you said, you grew Jesus. up rooting. You grew up rooting for the New York Yankees. You grew up playing starting catcher yeah. for the Yankees. When you're seeing fucking fans like that, just torch this guy, like calling him Uber driver. I don't know what they were saying. They were probably saying some un, not nice things at Yankee stadium. Was part of you being that guy that's that roots for your guys, were you like, I'm going to
1: fucking fight every goddamn fan in this stadium right now? I mean, honestly, just knowing, knowing Randy, the Uber stuff is fine, just knowing fans. I think that's honestly fun for the sport in terms of just fans, heckling players, light banter like that. Once yeah. you start crossing the line of attacking someone's loved one or saying – go hurt yourself and stuff like that that's where it's like all right stop yeah. but chanting like uber or indie ball or unicorn cuz he played for the Utica Unicorns in indie ball like it yeah. just comes with the territory so i mean yeah at the time it, you're protective it's like all right everyone shut the fuck up but <laughs> I mean, that, it, being I mean, a fan, being from New York, it's like okay, it's acceptable. So you get it.
0: You were one of those kids that were. I mean, Yankees yeah. fans are flipping kids off when they're four. And Musgrove, <laughs> Musgrove told a story. I think it was Musgrove. He told a story of. Uh, I don't know if it was like on Potter or whatever, but he was like swar- warming up in the bullpen, and like people were legit spitting on him,
1: like throwing beer yeah, on no, him. No, that's that's a no go. Yeah, like, no go. I don't the- think that that didn't happen with Randy. There's just the Ubers of the Ubers, yeah. but. Which he just inked the deal with Lyft. So,
0: yeah, credit to him. Credit yeah. to him for that. But no, with, with the Randy story, man, I mean, that has to get put into a movie. You know, like that's the most fucked story ever.
1: I mean, I mean, to go from signing for 500 bucks to, I mean, signing for 9.25 guaranteed with the potential of 52 point something in escalators, like the dude is the American story. It is. I he, mean, he I, I spent time with him this offseason in West Virginia, and even with a little money in his pocket from some big league time, like still stayed true to his roots, has a high school kid catching him, works out at like a blue-collar facility, throws on a high school baseball field in the middle of nowhere West <laughs> Virginia. I mean, the dude is the op- – when people say, oh, you're so show, as yeah. in just flair, he's the opposite. You would think that dude is a backup on the low a team and has yeah. never played pro baseball just not flashy
0: and how what are, how, how uh, what are they doing with him now i saw they moved down to triple a to get him to like some uh, starting pitcher reps is that correct
1: yeah so he's getting stretched out and then eventually he'll be worked back into a rotation
0: because he's good for the game of baseball man i mean like i told like i told I him mean, in our interview if you haven't listened to the interview by the way people listening you got to tap into that the guy's a fucking Listen the interview yeah he's an electric Listen the he's, interview. <laughs> he's an electric dude but He's good for the game of baseball, man. I mean, that's the guy you can market, and you want to grow the game. You market a guy that was just a common man, grinding an indie ball, signed five hundred dollars, and now he's in the fucking show playing with Josh Donaldson. Like, isn't that it's it's crazy? Man, has he ever said to you like, man, like I can't believe where I am right now? Or he just doesn't really bring that stuff up?
1: I mean, kind of here and there, he'll just be sitting there. I mean, he's a completely just level-toned individual after the Yankee game no joke this is a great story so after the Yankee game obviously he was upset by his performance you want to do better but some guys just totally immerse themselves and define themselves and live or die by the result of the game he sees so I went to the game his wife his in-laws, his parents, and then my dad, because I was, my dad's a Yankee fan. And I yeah. was like, all right, dad, you can fucking come, but just don't fucking root for the Yankees. But so we all come down there. And the first person he sees is me. And there's camera crew, there's family, there's everybody. And at first we're thinking like, just, you know, let him control the narrative of how he wants to talk to us or whatever. He, he sees me and he picks me up, just like hugs me and picks me up. And he goes, <laughs> he goes, hey, Matt's dad, what's going on? And just shakes his hand. And he's like, do you want to sign ball? And my dad's like, what are you talking about? He's like, guarantee you my mom will ask if you want to sign ball or card. So I'm just asking you right now. And he's like, "He's like, no, 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 I'm good. He goes, okay, cool. Did you enjoy the game? And just super personable, down to earth, smiling, laughing. And eventually Randy's mom did ask my dad, do you want to sign baseball or anything? So that was, that was funny as shit. But I mean, just a good dude that comes from a good family. And if anything defines Randy Dobnack, his St. His Jude uh, efforts with him and Ariel, but also just after that game, after you pitch game two of the ALDS and don't perform to the way you want to, knowing the family and friends there and putting yourself aside to sort of just be there for them and be in the moment and be happy. That's that's Randy just yeah. lives in the moment. He's
0: such I mean, he's such a good dude, man. I mean, it just, it's just crazy how much adversity he's battled through and in all in indie ball and all that kind of stuff. Were you one of the first calls that he made? Like, listen, man, I'm starting the fucking I'm starting the playoffs here. First game, it's not how crazy was that? I mean, it's fucked.
1: I mean, we went out to dinner. So we went out to dinner two nights before we knew he was starting, but we wanted to keep it on the down low. Yeah. And funny story for that, uh, we went to. Uh, del frisco steakhouse in new york and we were trying to get a last minute seat and i said oh it's my friend's birthday and he was like and the waiter said oh, okay so then we faked that it was randy's birthday and the waiter goes so what are you guys in town for and i said oh my friend's you know playing a baseball game at Yankee stadium he goes oh cool he said uh they have in high school or college warm-up games before the I would have I
0: would have knocked him out if he
1: said that. I was like, I was like, yeah, something like that. Cause at that time Randy only pitched like 28.1 innings in the show. Yeah. I think Randy was in the bathroom at the time and we were I was just talking with the waiter. Yeah. He was like, Oh, he's like, he was like, Good luck to your friend. He's like, Do you guys get to stay at the game after and watch the <laughs> playoff game? I was like, Yeah, yeah bud i'll get to stay and watch the game after <laughs> and when he fired off that tweet to
0: cameron maven that broke the internet that i he was trending in canada <laughs> i mean randy was trending
1: in canada when that happened
0: so, did you text him and you're like you're a fucking
1: savage <laughs> didn't my phone was fucking blown up because i went to game three of the ALC at or no was it ALCS or ALDS between Rays and Astros? ALDS. Yeah, yeah, yeah DS. DS. Yeah, yeah. In, in 19. So I went to game three and I was on a flight coming back from Tampa. I landed in Newark. I had 150 text messages, 80 DMs <laughs> like, bro, your client just dropped the most savage tweet on Twitter. I text Randy, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> he had absolutely no clue about Maven's prior, yeah, none no, of he, that. He said like, He had no idea. Like, li- literally had no fucking idea. It's just comedy that it just placed time with Randy to post that. And I didn't even know that with Maven either. So once I read the context of it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> Holy shit, the it's internet incredible had a field day with this.
0: You want to talk about, I mean, just get being at the right place at the right time. Like, that's one of the greatest Twitter chirps in major league history. Like, I will legitimately take that over the Acuna or no, the Tatis holding Trevor Bauer, all that kind of stuff. And actually, I want to go into this for a second. Speaking about Trevor Bauer, do you kind of what are your thoughts on like doing like uh, your players doing kind of like that behind the scenes kind of vlog kind of thing that Rachel Luba, Luba Sports is doing with her clients?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, more content, more behind-the-scenes access for fans, better for the game. I think it just depends on the player. If the player wants to be – some guys are just so overtly focused on maintaining composure before a game that they don't even want to deal with their family members versus some guys are super outgoing and want to do that. If you have the platform for it and you're making positive growth and positive change, I'm all for it. I just think it comes really down to the player on – the player's status on if they've been in the big leagues for a while, or if not, if they feel comfortable doing it. Um, it could be a dude who's literally one day up in the show and he feels more than comfortable doing it and wants to give fans access. And it's like great for him. Or it could be a guy who doesn't want to step on anybody's toes because he just got here and not supposed to be here, wants to do it, but doesn't. I think it just depends on the player, yeah, but that's I'm for it.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I just, it's crazy how Trevor Bauer has the ability to kind of like carve on the mound and then like vlog, like right after I I couldn't even imagine being a pro baseball player and just trying to put two and two together with all that kind of stuff. But I want to, let's go back into Peacock for a second because Peacock, like I said, he's working at a fucking sawmill. Now he's carving for the Arizona diamondbacks. I mean, is this guy like, would you say now he's, he's realized he's in the show. Like, is he one of those guys where he's like a humbling dude, or is he like, man, I'm in the fucking show right now. I'm a dog. Like, what kind of guy is he like?
1: Super, super humble. We were talking about it after his last start. He said, he said, you know, the saying is true that the more reps you get, the less sort of mesmerized you get by the names that are coming up. He faces Tatis, who's truck out, he faces Machado. Like, I think he's pitched well over 15, 16 innings by this point. Initially, whenever you get up to the show and you see guys' names like Judge or McNeil or Lindor, it's like, holy shit. But now that he's sort of gotten his feet wet and he has 10-plus games, the more reps, it's like, okay, I'm here. You always have the confidence that you believe you belong there, but it's one of those things where it just takes – an insane amount of reps to just realize, okay, like I'm here and this is what I'm meant to do. And I'm just as good as the dude to the right or left of me.
0: Do you think that he, when he got the call up and all that kind of stuff and he was in his first appearance and all that, do you think he was like, not mesmerized, but do you think he was kind of like just looking around, just not shocked, but... Yeah, I guess you could say shocked. Like, I believe it was in Colorado, correct? in extra innings. I was first. Yeah, it was, it
1: was at eleven forty-five, and it was like fucking twenty-five degrees. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Fans. He made history, uh, right? Oh yeah, he got. He was the first pitcher since nineteen forty-five to record a win, hit, and pitch or debut in extra innings. That's incredible. So some dude on like the Washington Senators. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I, like, it was the most, like, fucking GSM story. Dude just comes in <laughs> bristling cold, like, fucking 25 degrees. I'm, I'm on my like, fifth hot chocolate. His stepdad steps away from everybody because he needs to focus on the game without everybody chanting. His mom and his wife and the in-laws are freaking out. I mean, it, it was just – dude was nails. Come in with the extra runner on second base to not give up an earned run. And the first inning, he didn't even give up a run. It was tied bottom of the 10th, I want to say, and they didn't score any in the top. And I see him coming out of the bullpen. I'm saying to myself, great. His debut is an extra innings with a runner starting on second, and they didn't score. So he's about to throw up an L, yeah. thinking like the odds of it. Yeah. And dude gets out of it, gets out of the second inning, gets a single, scores from first to fucking home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, like, running, and I'm just, like, this, this dude just did it all.
0: Yeah, it's just, insane. It's I, insane. Didn't,
1: I, didn't, I didn't think there could have been – because Nick debuted on my birthday. Uh, Rico Garcia, another one of my big leaguers, debuted in Colorado. Um, Randy debuted in Minnesota and had a historic moment. Aaron Whitefield, the Twins guy, that I have debuted as a pinch runner. So I mean, I was just thinking to myself, there's no way Peacock could eclipse any of the previous dude, just fucking just made history. I'm like, <laughs> it's All right, insane.
0: Well. And he looks like, and I want to mention this, you may bring it up to him. He looks like a guy that'd be like a contestant on the bachelor, like the bachelorette. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? His hair, he's kind of yoked. I mean, I'll say he's a man rocket, good-looking dude. He just looks like a, a bachelor contestant that you could see on the bottom, of, like where it shows the name, professional baseball player. <laughs> like just mad. I mean- Matt, twenty, whatever professional baseball. Player. Like that's what it looks like to me. He's a, he just he has it all, man. Some people just have
1: it all. Got to get him on the show. He Gotta looks get, like
0: he's yeah. a fucking electric thing. He's electric factory, and I believe he gave you his debut jersey. Is that correct? Or one of the one of his jerseys?
1: No. So what I do with the guys when they debut, I just end up buying their jerseys, oh, okay. and then they write they write like a note on it. Like I think I think Nick wrote to to the greatest to the best to ever do it. Randy wrote, I love you. XO, XO. <laughs> like the guys write certain stuff. And then Matt, like really just dug deep into the heartstrings and wrote a really profound message. which was just like, Hey man, thanks for all the love, support and friendship throughout this journey. Like forever ride or die, something like that. I was like, wow. Yeah. It's, it's those moments. Like I posted on my Instagram, you take a step back and it gets you a little teary eyed. Cause it's like, this was, This is my purpose, to give the common baseball player a voice, to give them a platform of, hey, he's just as good as the 18-year-old that you spent $2.5 million on. Give him a shot.
0: Yeah, that's true. And a couple other things I want you to describe to me, because like I said, explain it to me like I'm five. Explain arbitration to me. I have an understanding. I talked about it with Stephen Brault. And Stephen Brault said it's pretty much you in a room with the guy or your agent is and the major league team just fucking roasts you. It's like an all-out roast session on why they should pay you less than what you want. Is that what it is?
1: I mean, essentially that's it. A player has to accrue three years of service time or if they're super two uh, eligible, meaning they've accrued two full years in the show, um, plus whatever the benchmark is, it's usually between like 100... 100- 20 to 30 some odd days. Um, and then you go to arbitration to where there's a, uh, there's a period where you and the team try to negotiate to get to the midpoint salary of my guy wants this team wants this. If you can't meet in the middle um, you file in trial and ultimately you go to arbitration and yeah, there's uh three uh, arbitration panelists who hear the case and, the team ultimately pleads their case as to why the player is worth less than what you're proposing, and yeah, that's that's essentially arbitration. It's insane.
0: It's insane. Two things yeah. about that. One, what if a team like so? And this is just my stupid brain thinking about this. So, what if like, do you say what you want first, or does the team? Because what if the team's highballing you, and you come in with a lowball, and they're like. Like, how does that work? Like, let's say you're asking for less than what the team actually is going to pay you.
1: Yeah, I mean, you always like to hear what the team has to offer first. I mean, that's that's how it went uh, with Randy's extension, too, was the team makes an offer and then you sit with it. You obviously counter and you try to meet in the middle. Now Randy's was a different situation than R because his was a full on contract extension where we worked on incentives and years and options and all that way more complex than arbitration, but more or less it's just the two parties file a number and then it's either, okay, guy, do you want to stick with this? And let's go to R because I mean, R they factor in your past, I mean, Damn. you passed off the field, um, they factor your platform year, which is ultimately considered the year that you're eligible for arbitration. So the two previous playing seasons or whatever beforehand count, but not as much as the season previous to leading up to your arbitration. So there's a lot of factors of if a player was hurt, if the player had an off the field issue, thinking about those certain things to where we can go to arbitration, but ultimately, you know, it might not work out in your favor because X, Y, and Z, or yeah, they might have a case, but I still say, let's roll the dice. And are you willing to just hear them, you know, go to town on you of why you shouldn't be worth what you're worth?
0: What would you say is your like, like I said, UFC guy, what would you say you're stepping out of the, you're getting into the ring. What is your record in art? Like if there's a graphic under you, what's your arbitration record?
1: I, Probably am one of the few rare ones that negotiated a contract extension before arbitration. There I've is. never, I've never went to ARB. I negotiated a five-year potential eight-year contract extension before I even went to ARB. So, so we're
0: going to say one and oh. we're going to say one and O one and o in ARB with a knockout. That's what, that's what Matthew Gata is an ARB. That's <laughs> incredible, dude. And yeah. the, the second thing I want to talk about with, with that arbitration thing is like do the teams just fucking like how does how does a guy go back to the team after he just gets absolutely
1: fucking roasted by them? Like how awkward is that shit, man? I mean, I've heard stories, I've I've heard interviews. Like, unfortunately, what it just comes down to is it's part of the business. And that's where that's where I think I personally relate with my guys, where I don't view them as dollars and cents from a business standpoint with the team and as an employee as a player, you kind of understand like this is coming from ownership they want to spend as much less money as possible to try and get the most out of the player but when it comes to relating with my guys i really view them as people first players second but in an arbitration type setting or even contract negotiation setting yes they care about the player to a certain extent but they're really looking at it from a dollars and cents standpoint of can I get this guy for as cheap on the dollar as possible and get the most maximum, you know, uh, production out of them?
0: Yeah. not. That, I mean, Jesus Christ. I couldn't even just imagine. I obviously I would, I would be so pissed at the team. I wouldn't even say, like, all right, fuck you then. But that's just crazy <laughs> to me. But, and you live, so you live in New York, which is like seven hours away from me. I say, when the border opens up, I'll drive down. We'll catch a Mets game or whatever. Hopefully Haggers still up there just grinding with the Mets. Um, I want to write the fucking MLB M L B P A mock test. I want to see what Johnny Junta is doing. How long are the fucking questions? How, I mean, are the questions like fucking script? Like what's going on here? How long are they?
1: It's been it's been a few years. I mean Is it like easy multiple choice? Like, is it like is it like a, a no. paragraph
0: question with like four multiple choice answers?
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's sort of similar to like Johnny got his contract selected by the Seattle Mariners on April 15th, 2020. And on September 22nd, got designated for assignment. He he has all three player options and has never been up to the majors. And then it could just go into, like, if he gets claimed by Team X, can he – or if he doesn't get claimed, can he – request um free agency yes i mean i i didn't (laughs) even i didn't say if he had any minor because like so then in that situation perfect example if he doesn't have seven years of minor league time which is that's your contract is seven years from the minors he would have to accept the outright assignment
0: Damn. So if it was
1: like, if it was like, if that was his sixth year of minor league baseball and that happened, cleared waivers, didn't trade him, they outrighted him, he still has one more year and he can't elect free agency.
0: Okay. So we're going to do this because you're a big client guy. We're going to end it off the show with this. Give me five takes of five of your clients. For instance, Hobie's going to be in the show this year. Give me five of these takes and I'll clip it whenever it happens. I'll clip it. I'll send it to you and you could just get it popping because you're, you're a guy that talks stuff into fruition. I don't know if fruition is the right word for that. I'm just trying to sound smart because I'm talking to you, but give me five takes. Give me five takes for this year ends that Matthew Gata has for his clients.
1: Matt Peacock makes the all rookie team.
0: Okay. That's, uh,
1: that's I don't on. know if it's tops or baseball America, but he will make one of those teams. Um, Hobie Paris will be in the show um, Minnesota Twins turn it around make the playoffs and Randy starts the game in the ALDS
0: fuck yes
1: uh, Vinny Natoli makes it to the majors and then oof, fifth one Nick comes off the IL and secures the save to have the Rays advance to the ALCS. Holy fuck.
0: That would make me want to run through a brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, holy shit. That's fucking electric. And okay. But I forgot to ask this. I want to show with this. Who's like the top, like the biggest prospect uh, client that you have, like in the top 30 prospect list, like a top five guy. That's just very heavily, heavily praised or top 10, top 20 guy.
1: Um, peacock was in it because
0: um, i that guy with the mariners right crow not crow uh oh, fuck, what's his name? he's a hitter talent.
1: yes he, he, yeah. he's a big prospect right he's he's a prospect uh, the athletic rated him as like 10 underrated Mariners prospects okay that so that get, w- burst onto the yeah scene. that's
0: one guy that I, I i would say i'd keep an eye on if you're listening to this pod i mean ben, especially
1: ben actually ben leper of the chicago cubs signed as an undrafted free agent last year with Chicago Cubs, and he started the season this year at double A. Holy shit! this that... kid just says screw rookie ball, low A, high A. Dude goes straight to double A, and he's carving. He has like a sub one ERA.
0: For people listening to this that don't really have an understanding that much about how minor leagues work, that is fucking ridiculous. Like
1: that is. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna add a six here. I'm gonna add a six. Ben Lepper makes it to the major leagues this year and in Wrigley Field. Yep.
0: Wrigley Field. All right. Well, anyways, man, it was a pleasure to do this with you. Obviously, this is a long time coming. We've been following each other for a while. I'm a big Mac Gator guy. And and you got to start fucking running Call of Duty with the boys. I mean, what's going on <laughs> here with that? You're just busy. I mean, you're obviously probably taking millions of calls a day, but you got to start getting on that, Matt. What's going on with that? I suck. Ask Randy <laughs> or
1: Nick. They never <laughs> let me play whenever I'm with them. I well, am brutal.
0: That's incredible, man. But anyways, the people are going to love this. The, the player agent, actually the representation of this podcast. Now I'm going to put it in the bio. I want to get towards management. Um, it was a pleasure to have you on, man. I'm excited for it. We got to get you on. I mean, whenever every debut that one of your guys has, we're getting you on. We're just going to get, right. I want the immediate reaction from Matt Gata. I want to see the adrenaline. I want maybe in an airport. We'll, we'll do the interview, but we got to yeah. get it popping, man. I really appreciate Fuck, you doing do this, it. man. You're a fucking legend. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see what your clients do. Cause like I said, that Hobie guy or Hobie Harris is a fucking freak. And I want him in the Roger center tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, anyways, bro, thank you so much for doing Love this. It. Man.
1: Thanks man. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening to officially unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at a fish on a fish pod and on Instagram at officially unofficial pod. Thank you.